to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey, and welcome to This Grit and Grace Life podcast. I'm Julie Graham, boy mom, girlfriend, in multiple ways. Does that, that feel I, funny? Not that I have, well, I'm, I have girlfriends. So, I mean, okay. no matter what, I'd be girlfriend. That's why I'm like, girlfriend in multiple ways. Not that I'm a girlfriend to multiple people. Uh, you go. <laughs> I'm Darlene Brock and I'm simple. It's a, I'm a wife, you know, I'm a mother, I'm a noni. And I guess- You're really, a girlfriend? I, yes, I guess I am too. But, you know, you're a girlfriend to a boy and a girlfriend to a girl. This is getting really messy. It is getting awkward. But you know what is interesting about all types of relationships? I think that one of the most searched things on our website, Grit and Grace Life, is about various forms of, is my relationship healthy? Should I be in it? How do I make it better? You know, how do I make it stronger? It is. And we found you you may already know her but we found someone who speaks to this so very well and brought her in today our guest today is deborah Faleda. she is a licensed professional counselor who specializes in dating marriage and relationship issues in fact her blog true love dates is the top christian resources for healthy relationships She's also an author. She's a podcast host. She is full of incredibly valuable relationship advice. You are going to love every second we spent with her. Well, Deborah, so we know a little bit about you professionally, but one of the things that we like to do here at This Grit and Grace Life is really kind of have a girl talk type session. So we'd love to get to know a little bit more about you personally. Can you tell us a little about your family, where you live, maybe one of your hobbies? Yeah, absolutely. So we live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is known as the home of the Amish. I say Amish country. Yeah, it's so interesting. Our Costco has a horse and buggy parking. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so does amazing. our library. Yeah, equipped with shovels and all. So it's really interesting. So the Amish and, can shop um, at Costco. I don't know why I've they, never they, thought about they that. They do. They absolutely love it. And so it's a really interesting city because it's such a neat conglomeration of the old culture of the Amish ways, you know, with the, with the plows and the horses and the horse and buggies, and then just a, just a very modern artsy culture as well. So one thing I love about living here, you know, at our church, you'll, you'll see a mixture of minority people like me. Um, you'll see um, the average American and you'll see like former or ex-Amish, as they call themselves, attending our church. So it's a really neat mixture of people. Cool. Oh, we love that, Deborah, because, you know, that's that's kind of our world. We feel the same way uh, with our audience, that we have an incredibly diverse group of ladies. I love that. Yeah. And so um, another thing I mentioned is I am a I'm an Egyptian woman, so Egyptian descent. I was born and raised in America, but my family of origin comes from Cairo, Egypt. So that's an interesting tidbit that not yeah. many people know about me. Very cool. Love that. I, have you been? Yeah. Have you gone back? I would assume we so. actually. You know, I've been back. I totaled it up to over a year of my life has been spent there on different ministry trips. Um, and then my husband and I just took our three children. We, and another fact about us is we homeschool. So I'm a homeschooling mama mm -hmm. and we took our three kids on 
a trip of a lifetime to Egypt last November. So we were there for 14 days and um, it was the first time we ever brought the kids. So that was a really neat experience for us. That's that, awesome. Yeah, that's. So I got cool. to go and talk about relationships all the way in the Middle East. So I that bet. was fun. That's pretty cool, Deborah. Speaking of your book, your most recent release, that I loved the way that you laid it out. It made so much sense to me. But the title of it is Love in Every Season, because that's how you talk about relationships. That's how you talk about love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a licensed counselor, one thing that I have observed in working with couples who are married and working with pre-marriage couples, dating couples, and even with singles who are in different relationships with other people like family members and friends, I noticed that just as nature cycles through these seasons of spring, summer, fall, and winter over and over again, So do relationships, relationships cycle through these four stages that spiritually and psychologically mimic the four seasons that we see in nature. So it's just a really neat analogy just started to emerge um, that God really kind of used to speak to my heart. I love the way that you've broken them down. And at first thought, I was like, wait, how does, you know, seasons translate to relationships? And does this work for all relationships? Or does this only matter if I'm married? Do I need to think about this if I'm a single or a dating person? So um, that's helpful to know that these stages or seasons are present in all of our relationships, whether we happen to be single, dating or married. Um, So can we jump right into them? Can you tell us about these seasons and why they matter in our relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start with the season of spring. Spring is the season where emotions are high and it's a season where attraction is blossoming and affection is blooming. Spring is the season of growth. Um, If you, if you really think about it, you know, in nature, things are growing rapidly in the season of spring, but in the season in this season of a relationship, the relationship is growing rapidly and and you're kind of taking inventory of the give and take in the relationship. Am I giving more than I'm receiving? Am I receiving more than I'm giving? Like, how is this working out? Is this person as interested in me as I'm interested in them? You know, the mutuality of the relationship begins to emerge in the season of spring. And, and it's really important because what you see in spring, you're going to see um, grow and strengthen in the other seasons. So spring is also a season of planting seeds, planting healthy, good seeds and being deliberate about planting because the seeds that you plant in spring are going to ultimately be the fruit that you harvest later on in the relationship. So that's a little bit about the season of spring. I have a question that I noticed when I was looking, glancing through your book and reading some of what you've written in that season is attraction where you are originally attracted to someone, which I would think is sometimes good and sometimes bad, sometimes healthy and sometimes not. How, how do you handle talking about that particular element of spring? Yeah, that's so good. So, you know, what's interesting is I believe in our culture, when we think of the word attraction, we automatically equate it to physical attraction. That tends to be how we define attraction. I'm attracted to this person usually means I like how they look. Mm -hmm. You know, I find them appealing physically, but attraction is 
multifaceted. And I think we miss the big picture of attraction when we see it as just a physical thing. Authentic attraction has to include multiple things. There's multiple layers to attraction. There's attraction and personality. There's emotional, mental attraction. There's spiritual attraction as well as physical attraction. And so all of these things have to be taken into consideration because just because you're attracted to someone physically doesn't mean they're actually good for you. doesn't mean it's a healthy or right relationship. And so when we are basing attraction on the physical alone, we can really find ourselves struggling through unhealthy or wrong relationships. I think you're so right that sometimes when we're considering somebody we might be interested in or dating, um, we want to lead with, you know, do I have that chemistry and physical attraction? And and I think you would agree that that is important that it be one of your ways that you're attracted to somebody, but we get in trouble when we let that be the thing that leads our relationships. Exactly. And we, we've had the opposite experience, you know. We all know somebody that we look at and we can say we're physically attracted to them. That person is beautiful or handsome. And then you get to know them Mm. (laughs) and all of a sudden they lose their appeal. You know, if physical were the, the primary way that we stay connected to people, then that experience wouldn't happen, you know, but it does on a, on a regular basis where with someone you, you may be initially attracted to, you get to know them personality, mental connection, emotional connection, spiritual connection. All of a sudden you realize like, I'm not drawn to this person anymore. So, so especially when you're, um, married, I think it's important to understand attraction is multifaceted because there's going to be seasons in marriage where you're not necessarily feeling it. You know, you're not Mm -hmm. feeling that that attraction. In my last book, Choosing Marriage, I actually took a survey of a thousand married people and over 50% of them reported that at some point in their relationship, they did not feel a physical attraction to their spouse. So all that to say, I think it's a common thing that we're not always talking about. And if we see attraction as just physical, when that physical component um, wavers a little bit, we can really struggle if we're not seeing the big picture of attraction. And I also think for those of you out there who are dating, it's important to recognize that attraction is a piece to the puzzle, but to also make sure you're investing in the other parts of attraction as well. Okay. Love the spring. It seems like spring is kind of the fun area, but then you move on to summer. Do you not, Deborah? And let's see, what was your line on that? Things get Summer hot is when things get hot. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's so true. Things begin to get hot in the relationship and you start shedding your layers, you know, in summer, the season of summer comes and we're, we, we take those winter coats and we throw them in the, in the closet and, and, you know, the, no more long sleeves and we're wearing shorts and short sleeves and, and we shed our layers. And the same thing happens in relationships when things begin to get hot you're slowly starting to reveal a little bit more about who you are and what you're all about in the, in the season of summer. You're allowing this person to get more of a glimpse of who you really are. And, you know, summer is a season of intimacy because it's the time when we develop spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, as well as physical intimacy in the season of summer. So, So when we talk about heat, you know, in in Love in Every Season, I actually kind of take those chapters and outline them in terms of 
heat. So I talk about the warmth of emotional connection and the heat of physical connection and the fire of spiritual connection, because those are all the things that are happening in intimacy in the season of summer. Okay. So I have started listening to your podcast. Love it, by the way. Um, maybe you need to know Deborah. So Darlene's been married for 438 years. At least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was married to my college sweetheart and then he passed away two years ago. And so mm. I am now dating again. And so, you know, wanting to learn about healthy relationships, all that, you know, having a second run at things. And so I found myself listening to one of your episodes where you talked a little bit about this importance of emotional intimacy and how we have to be careful not to only care about, you know, our physical intimacy, um, in both dating and marriage. So can you tell me a little bit more about how we build on our emotional intimacy and connection? Yeah, for sure. And you know, what's interesting is throughout the book, I kind of take time to talk to singles and those who are dating as well as those who are married, because these seasons play out a little differently depending on your relationship status. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we apply them a little bit differently. The same principles, we just apply them a little bit differently. So, you know, when you're getting to know somebody, I think it's important to understand that emotional connection is kind of like building a spider's web. And, and you might not know this, but a spider's silk is one of the strongest materials on the face of the earth. It's stronger than steel and stronger than Kevlar, which is what they use to make bulletproof vests. And in fact, scientists are trying to figure out ways to use the silk in order to like increase our, our, um, our medical, world and, and try to, to take that amazing silk and use it medically. So it's a really powerful thing. And when I think of emotional connection, the, the silk of a spider comes to mind. And I think of us building a spider's web. It's all these little tiny strings of connection, but with each string, you're building something stronger and stronger and stronger. And when I think of emotional connection, that's what I think of. I think of, you know, you and the person that you're with, little by little building the strings of emotional connection, one string at a time, one interest that you share, sharing your heart, sharing your thoughts, communicating, sharing your ideas, you know, doing a, doing a hobby together, learning about each other's interests and likes and kind of combining your worlds little by little, all of these things that you do build the string of emotional connection. But sadly, I think a lot of couples are not intentional with this. And they think that just because you've been married for quite some time, that all this stuff happens automatically with time, but it doesn't. I know couples who've been married for 50 years. I don't know anyone that's been married for 400 something years like Darlene. <laughs> but I know couples who've been married for 50 years and they haven't built the string of mm -hmm. uh, the strings of emotional connection. It doesn't just happen with time. And it's something we really have to be deliberate about taking inventory of what are we doing in our marriage and how are we investing in our emotional connection? Well, and being one who has been married 400 years, I really haven't, but a whole lot of years, I can tell you what sustains my marriage and holds it up is that is mm. that we are connected in every way. He is my life partner. He's not just my husband. And we have woven our life together 
through all of our experiences. Some years he held me up, some years I held him up, some years we just both held on to each other as the waves hit. So it, it is vital for a long-term relationship to have that, for me, at the baseline, and you're right, to do it again throughout your yeah. marriage. And, and what, what's interesting and what some people don't realize is that there can be things in our past. You know, I spend a lot of time in this book and in my life, in, in my experience in general, in my counseling practice and my articles and my podcasts talking about our past and how our family of origin and our past experiences really shape our ability to do relationships. And some people don't realize that they are not comfortable with the deep emotional connection because they've never experienced it. They aren't familiar with it. It's something that wasn't cultivated in their family of origin, or maybe they grew up with a parent that was emotionally unavailable. And so they kind of learn not to emotionally connect and they bring that stuff into marriage and not realize that a lot of that inability to connect emotionally can actually be rooted in the wounds of our past. And so there's a lot of important stuff to kind of understand when it comes to developing emotional connection and what might be inhibiting us from doing so. You can't see me, but I'm over here nodding along to everything that you're saying. Um, as somebody who definitely had a very difficult childhood and upbringing, I, I experienced those things, but I fall on the other side that I think you've also spoken to, um, that you can either have trouble emotionally connecting, or you might be prone to emotionally connect too quickly out of craving Absolutely. and desiring that type of connection. Can you speak to that a little? Yes. You know, I especially talk about this when it comes to singles and in the dating world, it's like, People want that emotional connection so much. They're craving it. They're desperate for it. They're hungry for it, that they jump into the deep end before the shallow end. And when it comes to relationships, like you got to ease into it. You can't just give somebody something before they have earned it. And I always say that trust is something that you have to earn. It's not just something I, I gift you. I don't just trust you because you're nice or you're Christian. You've got to earn that role in my life. And so when you're single, it's really important to take inventory. Are you connecting too quickly? Are you building the strings of emotional connection with somebody that's not even good for you, somebody that's not healthy, somebody that you don't actually know that well, just because you're so desperate for love or relationships. So there's a lot of different ways that we could have this conversation. And and in Love in Every Season, I actually talk about the importance of emotional connection. But then the next section, I talk about the importance of emotional protection. And, and even those of us who are in marriage, we've got to be careful that we're not weaving the strings of emotional connection and building them with the wrong people. You know, that's how we protect our marriages from infidelity and from some major struggles that people find themselves in. So we're going to move on to the next season, which is fall which I like to call autumn. I'm sorry, but I like that word. <laughs> I like it too. Yeah. The season of fall is when your true colors start to shine through, you know, all of a sudden the green is gone and you're like, wait a second, what happened to this person that I was with? And, and now you're seeing all these different colors that you maybe never saw before, or you saw glimpses of before, but now you're seeing them bright and vibrant. And it's also the season when the leaves begin to fall. And so you realize you're left with the bare branches. Like there is nowhere left to hide mm -hmm. when the leaves have fallen. It's the season of authenticity. 
it's the season of vulnerability and just really um, showing the truth of who you are. And when you do that, you tend to realize that you're two different people with two different experiences, two different family histories, two different belief systems, two different opinions, personalities, ideas, interests, hobbies. And all of a sudden you're faced with your glaring differences. And so it tends to be for many people, a season of conflict. Mm. The truth is every relationship will hit conflict. I mean, that's just the reality. You take any two people, put them together. Eventually there will be a certain set of conflict that emerges with that couple. So when that conflict comes in the season of fall, you've got to figure out how to manage that conflict in a healthy way. And to realize that conflict is an invitation for deeper connection. It's not something we should avoid or be scared of. It's something we need to figure out how to embrace and use it to develop our connection. So fall is the season of conflict and of communication because communication is really where, where the lifeline of a relationship. You know, one thing that I I would probably like you to speak to is how to enter into conflict healthily. And I can't say I always did. I mean, I remember the first year we were married, I was attending church by myself because my husband had a lot of a lot of things he had to work through. He was a pastor's kid and he had a lot of things to work through when it came to the church. The way I handled conflict is I walked in the bedroom and threw my Bible at his head while he was sleeping and said, I will not be one of those women that go by myself. So you need to either go or you're going to keep me home. That probably wasn't the best way to handle the conflict, but I made a point and we worked past that. Maybe it'd be good for you to give some tips on how to how to deal with conflict. Yeah, for sure. You know, all of us have a different approach to conflict. And I, I, I spent some time in the book talking about the different conflict styles, but I'm going to skip over that because I think something practical is to, to go into conflict with the right perspective. You know, when you go into conflict and you're not seeing it as me against you, you're seeing it as this is an opportunity for us to draw closer to each other and to connect on a deeper level, you go into conflict with a different mindset. I believe that begins to change everything about how you view conflict. This is an opportunity, not just something that is an obligation in your relationship. This is an opportunity to connect and, and to, to, to become more intimate along the way. I also think it's important when you're in conflict to realize that this is usually not about this at all. (laughs) Like what's happening on the surface is not actually about what's happening on the surface. There are some things deep down underneath. Maybe I'm feeling embarrassed. Maybe I'm feeling abandoned or rejected. Maybe I'm feeling like I I misunderstood. So, so let's say, you know, your husband said he was going to call you at a certain time and he did it. You know, is it really about the call or is it about feeling that you're not important to him and and being able to kind of dig deep and, and figure out that this isn't actually about this. What is this really about and how do I communicate what's actually going on in my heart and what I need in this moment? And that's what requires vulnerability. That's what requires having insight into, into who we are, what we're all about. But I think if we could get to the root of those conflicts, it would make problem solving so much easier. Instead of going in and saying, you need to do this and you need to do that, going in and saying, here's what I am struggling with and here's what I need from you. So are you saying as a relationship expert, 
licensed counselor, we should not be throwing our Bible at our man's head. <laughs> I just want to be clear on that. Yeah. Yes. Physical <laughs> injuries to be avoided. <laughs> yeah, I would I would say that's true. I mean, we did get through it, but you know, that wasn't my best, most shining moment in my marriage building. Oh yeah, we've all had them. That's the truth. And and with time and maturity and education and, and the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, you know, convicting us and, and showing us how to love even through conflict. And, and, and when we're there to seek to understand before we want to be understood, we're usually there like, hey, listen to me. Mm-hmm. I want to show you my perspective. We're not usually there saying, okay, how can I, how can I hear what you're going through? And, and let me try to put myself in your shoes. You know, one of the steps I talk about with how to resolve conflict in a healthy way is making sure that we are going into it with empathy Mm -hmm. and trying to put ourselves in the other person's shoes rather than just trying to communicate what we see and feel, you know? So I think that's a really important thing that it takes God's grace and, and him working on our hearts for us to be able to get there. Let me ask you one quick question about conflict before we go to the last season from the dating perspective If you find either one, you don't seem to have any conflict in your relationship. I think some people are there and they're thinking, this is amazing. We're just so perfect for each other. Or you're having conflict and he doesn't really want to resolve it. He wants to brush it under the rug. Is this a deal breaker? Is this a red flag we should be aware of? Well, I always say that if you don't have conflict in a relationship, it usually means someone's not telling the truth. (laughs) Somebody is holding something in or holding something back or somebody's passive because you've got to disagree. I'm not saying like a full fledged fist fight is conflict, but disagreeing is conflict. And if you don't disagree on anything and you've been dating for quite some time, I really believe there's a good chance someone is passive in the relationship and someone is not being fully, completely honest and authentic. So yeah, to me, that's a red flag. I want to see you fight before I give you the green light to get married. You know, I want to see how you handle your disagreements and your differences and and, and your conflict, your arguments. Um, The other thing I will say is that if you're in a dating relationship and you're going in circles with conflict, conflict is being unresolved and you're not able to work through it. There's probably something going on that you need to deal with deep down, whether, you know, your inability to con to deal with conflict in a healthy way tells me something. And I really believe that if you need to take a step back and heal and work on your own ability to deal with conflict, then you need to do that. You can't control the person that you're with. And if you're seeing an inability on their part to deal with conflict, I think it's an important sign that you should not move forward into the next season. I mean, these seasons are telling and they show us the good stuff in the relationship, but they also show us the things that aren't good. And we've got to take those signals and make sure we're making the wisest choice when it comes to committing to somebody for life. So sometimes these seasons tell us, stop, don't move forward. Mm -hmm. You know, do not continue. This relationship is not good for you. You're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I know it's much colder than our winter here in Southwest Florida. Are you jealous yet, Deborah? (laughs) I am jealous, but thankfully I have a Florida trip in my calendar, so I won't be jealous for too long. Oh, I love it. All right. You talk about winter as long days ahead. What does that mean? Well, 
up north here where we actually see winter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I live in, here right now, just so you know. I, yeah. I, I believe it. I lived in Florida for a year, actually. My husband and I were there for a year in West Palm Beach area. Okay. And it's funny because in the beginning, it's incredible and we loved it. But after, by the end of the year, I realized I kind of missed the seasons. You know, I kind of missed the changes of nature and seeing snow. Now, ask me how I feel about that when I'm like 30 inches in, <laughs> deep in snow in a couple of weeks. But, <laughs> but all that to say, there's definitely something beautiful about the seasons. And the season of winter is no exception. I think sometimes we can dread the season of winter and it, we could just see all the negatives. And sh sure enough, usually that's how it comes across in relationships. Winter is the season where um, things begin to cool down emotionally. And maybe that infatuation that you felt early on in the relationship all of a sudden is gone and you're not feeling that, those strong, intense feelings anymore. Um, but the good thing about winter is that it comes with comfort a level of comfort with your spouse that you could have never comprehended. I'm just going to give you a funny story here, ladies, if we're having some girl chat <laughs> before I was married, a friend of mine um, was meeting with me for just some premarital chit chats. And she was like, so do you think you'll ever let your husband come into the bathroom while you're going to the bathroom? And I'm like, <laughs> never, I would never do that. That's disgusting. And like just a few weeks ago, I'm like, hey, hon, can you bring me a roll of toilet paper? <laughs> All that to say, the comfort level changes completely when you're in marriage. And there's something very beautiful about that. But if you're not careful, the deep comfort of winter can turn into something dangerous that I call the frost of apathy, where nothing's terribly wrong in a relationship, but nothing is terribly right either. Mm -hmm. And when you think of natural disasters, ladies, let me just ask you this. What is the first natural disaster that pops into your mind? Hurricanes. That's our, that's our situation here. That's what I, I think say of. earthquake though. Interesting. Yeah. Hurricanes, earthquake, crazy things, tornadoes. Nobody ever thinks of frost, right? No, <laughs> no, true. Nobody thinks of frost, but you know, frost can be devastating. I read of a, a farmer in Australia who, because of an early frost, lost ninety percent of his crop that wow. year. Ninety percent of, of his livelihood. It completely devastated his family and his business. And, and that's the thing about frost. It's, it's not threatening. Nobody looks at it in a threatening way, but it slowly cools and comes. And the next thing you know, you wake up and you realize your relationship has changed. There's the frost of apathy and you don't really care as much as you used to. You're not being intentional in the way that you used to be. And to me, that is the danger of the season of winter. It's not the crazy, you know, horrible, um, natural disasters, but it's this quiet cooling that sometimes can go unnoticed and cause us to feel distant and separate from one another. You know, that's, I've, that's where the danger is. You know, I've seen that Deborah, uh, having been around as long as I have, I have friends who, you know, they've been married for a long time. The kids leave home and they look at one another and are like, what now? We yeah. don't really even know each other anymore. We, we've concentrated on everything else in our lives. Who are you and who am I? And do we even want to be together now? Right. You're absolutely right. And, 
And, and here's the, the beauty of it. It doesn't end in winter. Seasons are not meant to be stayed in forever. They're meant to be passed through. And each circle through is a time, another opportunity to invest and deepen and strengthen that relationship. And so for people who are struggling in the season of winter, I want to remind them that that's not where it ends. I think a lot of people in the season of winter just assume that this is it. This is how it's going to be. We've been married for so long and this is just it. Like there's no... There's no way around it, but that's not the truth. And I I know of many couples in the season of winter who have worked through it and come back around to the season of spring and their relationship is richer Mm -hmm. and deeper and more healthy and more connected than it was before. And sometimes the Lord uses the season of winter just as in nature, that cooling of the ground eliminates disease. It kills off pests and insects. Because if if that didn't happen, we would struggle in the in the spring that that came next. And so sometimes in the season of winter, God is destroying the the sin and struggle in our life in order for us to be prepared for the season of spring again. I love how you're pulling out the positive of what feels like the hardest and therefore maybe the the season that we want to avoid or hurry through. And I also love the positivity of you saying that we are going to cycle through all of these seasons as we pursue a healthy relationship. That gives me hope, you know, as a dating person. And I hope it brings um, a similar, you know, you know, positive optimism to the woman who is maybe in a season of her marriage where she feels like, eh, is this really all there is? Um, I hope right, that and, hearing and, this, and people get to the season of winter and they think I must've made a wrong choice. I must've married the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And, and really you could have married Bob or Mike or Bill, and you would have come to the season of winter and you would have had a different set of issues with either of them. And you've got to figure out how to work through it. This isn't about swapping it out for a different spouse. Like so many people do. This is about figuring out how to work with what the Lord has given me, how to work with this choice that I have made. And we're not talking about relationships where there's repeated infidelity or abuse or addictions. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the everyday relationships when we face that disconnect, that tension, that struggle that is such a natural part of the seasons of a relationship. Okay, Deborah, I know you're going to love this. We have just touched on the tip of the iceberg of what (laughs) is in your book. Um, And I think you've already given us so much to think about, to look at, to look at what season we're in. But I would encourage our listeners to pick up your book, Love in Every Season, because obviously from everything you've said, each one is important and vital to building a healthy relationship. Deborah, can you tell us where our friends can get your book, but maybe even where they can find you hanging out on the internet, where they can learn more from you as they're going to want to? I know I want to go sign up for all the things, get my copy of your book and download all of your podcasts. Oh, thank you so much, ladies. Well, I love connecting with people who are listening and reading along. So the the easiest place that you can find me and all the different resources are at my website, which is um, the number one faith-based relationship advice blog, and it's called True Love Date. It's advice for singles, for those who are dating, and for those who are married, truelovedates.com. And uh, my podcast is called the Love and Relationships Podcast. You can find it on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. And I'm also hanging around Instagram and Facebook often, and you can find me there at truelovedates. 
as well. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to put all of those links into the show notes so everyone can find you easily, but we have decided to actually take that one step further and give away a copy of your book to one of our grit and grace life listeners. So if you share on your social media, a screenshot that you're listening to this episode, be sure to tag us, this grit and grace life and Deborah true love dates on the post in your stories or on your grid so that we can see it. And everyone who does that will be entered to win a free copy of the book. So don't miss that. Um, thank you so much, Deborah, for being a part of this conversation today. I know I have a lot I want to personally take away and process and try to apply in my relationship. So I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to chat with you. And I think it's really appropriate that we close this episode with a quote from Deborah. Relationships are like plants. Give them too little and they'll die, but give them too much and they'll also die. She is full of great relationship wisdom. Be sure that you're here next week for episode 124. We're talking about something kind of interesting. You've probably heard the phrase social influencer, or just maybe considered the fact that you are an influencer in all of the places that you do life. We're talking about how you can be an influencing woman of grit and grace next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Whether you're listening in Apple, Spotify, or streaming somewhere else, be sure to subscribe and review so you never miss an upcoming episode. You can also share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us or share us in your social media and tag us. Every week we share all the details of what we discussed at our website, gritandgracelife.com. We'll catch you on the next one.